Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. A spiritual home for so many in our nation's capital. The Washington, D.C. Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Join Boyd Matheson as he hosts lawmakers, Washington VIPs, and members of the church. This week, special broadcasts of Inside Sources, live from the open house of the D.C. Temple. Members of the U.S. House of Representatives toured the Washington, D.C. Temple yesterday. We're going to take a look at what it was like for those of the faith and, and those of different beliefs. And as they went through the doors there, and uh, there's so many things happening in our nation's capital this week. And uh, one of those congressmen who has been both through the temple and is busy on Capitol Hill today is Representative John Curtis. Representative, thanks for joining us. Oh, uh, boy, uh, delight to be with you. Uh, and I know it is busy, and I know you're getting ready to step on the floor to cast a vote. But uh, let's start. Let's start I'm with walking. the. <laughs> yeah, walking the... over to the floor now, but always have time for Boyd and KSL. All right. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's start at the Washington D.C. Temple. You had that experience last night with many of your colleagues. Uh, give us some uh, some impressions from that. Well, let me just tell you. Um, you can imagine uh, the opportunity to take a dozen or so of my colleagues uh, through the temple and give them that just amazingly unique experience. And every one of them was touched and had a, a you know, a, a very special experience there and uh, learned so much about our faith and temples. It was really nice to be part of it. Yeah, and I know you uh, all rode over together on the bus from the uh, from the Capitol over to the Washington, D.C. Temple. What was the conversation like on the, on the way back to the Capitol uh, after all of you had been in the temple together? It was uh, a, a very uh, quiet and reflective ride, and everybody uh, was kind of processing what they'd seen. I had a, a good member of Congress lean over to me on the bus and explain his experience to me at the temple through his spiritual eyes, if that makes sense. And um, he was really touched and, and had a, a really nice experience there. Uh, fantastic. And uh, I know there's so many other things going on in our, our nation's capital uh, today, including uh, an event that you were part of, uh, convened by the Deseret News, uh, talking about climate. Tell us about that. Well, I know. No one knows what to do with the Republican that will actually say the word climate. But <laughs> I think it's really important for conservatives to engage because there are so many answers that are conducive with conservative values that reduce emissions. And... Um, when we don't engage, those ideas aren't on the table, and I think that's a mistake for us. 
Yeah, so tell us about the uh, the conversation. It was a roundtable discussion. Uh, what were some of those things that uh, came up? Because I uh, I think your approach to this, Congressman, has been let's not have a, a fake fight and a false choice about this. Let's find the ways that we can do this and that. Uh, tell us about what the conversation was like in the room. Well, the, given the backdrop of the war in Ukraine right now, uh, one of the very important conversations is national security and realizing how U.S. fossil fuels not only help us maintain national security, but can be used to reduce uh, worldwide emissions. And that's a very important conversation to be having right now. And so I always like to bring that up and point out that you don't have to sacrifice our economy. You don't have to sacrifice national security. And we can use U.S. fossil fuels and actually reduce uh, emissions. Our, our just one quick example, our natural gas is about 40% cleaner than Russian natural gas. So if you care about emissions, you'd want us to be sending U.S. fossil fuels overseas to replace Russian fossil fuels. Oh, that's uh, that's such an important thing, and especially uh, I appreciate the fact that you brought up Ukraine as part of that whole equation. I think we, we often forget that, that a lot of this... Uh, uh, ends up coming out uh, dirtier uh, from places like Russia uh, with less concern for the environment and less of a view of uh, how do we do this better uh, for the environment. Uh, what are some of the things on the on the front in terms of Congress's role in all of that? Uh, anything on the horizon there that we should be watching for that came out of this conversation today? You know, I don't know that there are any specifics of the conversation other than to uh, make sure that we're not making the poor decisions that were made in Europe 10 or 20 years ago that were made, made in, in light of reducing emissions but actually have led to more emissions. And they've shut down their nuclear over there, and now they're buying coal, right? They, already, they decided not to frack, and now they're buying Russian fracked natural gas. And so I think it's very important that we, we look to Europe to see which decisions were good and which ones were bad. And I, I can actually see some of both. Yeah, absolutely. And Congressman, before we let you step on the floor and cast that vote, <laughs> uh, what uh, what else is on the horizon in Washington, D.C.? Obviously, lawmakers just got back into town uh, earlier this week. Uh, a lot of things coming from the, the White House in terms of kind of a double down on uh, Build Back Better uh, 2 or 3.0 version. Uh, but what else is on the horizon that we should be watching for as citizens in the days ahead? Well, I think everybody's concerned about the price of gas, they're concerned about inflation, they're concerned about the war. These things are all tied together, and much of it has to do with wasted uh, uh, spending here from D.C. And so we've got to rein in our own uh, financial house here. If we're ever going to help people with these, um, this high inflation, we've got to uh, implement a better energy policy if we're going to help them with the, the gas prices. And uh, there's a number of us here that are trying to turn the discussion to those important topics instead of just spending more money. Well, fantastic. And uh, Representative John Curtis was part of a group that was out of the Washington, D.C. Temple last night, uh, went through the temple uh, as members of Congress. Uh, and a uh, great thing. The last question for you, uh, Congressman. Uh, there's a, uh, a portion of that tour where uh, everyone just gets to be still and quiet for a few minutes. And uh, we always think about our lawmakers uh, speaking and making lots of noise. Uh, what was it like to have all of those members of Congress together in a quiet space? Uh, and what kind of conversation did that foster for the bus ride back? It was clearly the highlight of the evening uh, as we sat down. And uh, just naturally, the environment, the, you know, Everybody knew they weren't supposed to speak and just be quiet for a few minutes. And um, it was moving. I, I think everybody that was there was moved. 
And you're right, that's not an environment you see us in very often, right? Where we all want to fill the, the quiet time with space. And and one of the comments that was made after we were there was um, there's there's quiet and there's quiet, right? And this was absolute quiet. That even in the in without speaking, it was the absence of any noise. And uh, there's very few times in our in our busy lives where we get that, and I think it was very much appreciated by the group. Uh, fantastic. Representative John Curtis, we appreciate you on your walk over uh, to cast a vote. We appreciate you stepping out and uh, giving us some time and uh, great things. Uh, great to be with you and uh, look forward to having you back in real soon. Okay. All right. All right. That's Representative John Curtis uh, joining us from the Capitol, getting ready to go in and cast a vote. Uh, that is the job over there. And uh, sometimes when that bell rings, you just got to hustle and start walking over to the Capitol and get ready to walk onto the floor. And we appreciate uh, Representative Curtis being willing to share both some of his thoughts in terms of what uh, took place at the Washington, D.C. Temple as he and many of his uh, House colleagues uh, took a tour last evening. And, uh, of course, uh, the actions of things going on today, that uh, conservative climate conversation uh, convened by the Deseret News, also an important conversation, an important set of conversations uh, that we need to be looking towards. I, I love the fact that uh, that Congressman Curtis pointed out the fact that, you know, if we look at Europe, you know, part of the decisions they made a decade ago in terms of, of nuclear has caused them to now be in a position where, where they have to buy coal. Uh, or using that natural gas, which we know is is more dirty, coming out of Russia, uh, and having those kinds of strategic conversations and uh, looking at it just a little bit different is what I think we've got to really get back to, uh, and that's what will actually really help us move ahead. So, again, big thanks to uh, Representative Curtis on that. We're going to go ahead and uh, step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by two of our friends from the R Street Institute, Shoshana Weissman and Jonathan Bidlack, also had an opportunity to go through the Washington, D.C. Temple, and they're working on a lot of things as it relates uh, both to uh, technology and also inflation. You'll hear that conversation coming up next. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.